Body Found, an intimate conversation about sex, love, health, and relationships. We are your hosts, Regina, and this is Josephine. For today's episode, we'll be continuing the Virginity series, and this time we will listen to Regina's story of her first time. Yes, so I'll be sharing my experience uh, on losing my virginity today. But before doing that, I just wanted to recap. On our last episode, we opened the discussion about virginity. We went over some definitions, talked about the hymen, and then Josephine shared her personal experience with losing it at 21. Hey, actually, what's the average age people start losing their virginity? Yeah, I did a quick search on this um, on Google, obviously. And um, apparently the American CDC says it's around 17 years old for both men and women. Yeah, I mean, I guess that seems about right. That's like what, grade 11? Yeah, grade 11. Yeah, that's when I remember all my friends in grade 11 Like every single weekend, somebody was losing it to somebody else at a house party or, you know, if they were in a relationship at the time. But it would always be Monday to Thursday, lunchtime conversations where everyone was talking about (laughs) so-and-so doing it with so-and-so and and how they did it in the basement of so-and-so's house at this party. Um, Yeah, it was insane, actually. Yeah, that's funny. Um, To be honest, in my circle of friends, we didn't really talk about that kind of stuff. Um, And I can't even remember who out of my high school friends, like, lost their virginities first. I think sex wasn't really a topic we discussed in that way, my circle of friends. Why wasn't uh, sex a topic you guys discussed? I think we were all just very academically driven students and we were so focused on our um, school and extracurriculars like all of us you know were in student council and school band school uh, school choir and just like participated in so many extracurriculars that we always had something to do at lunch right but even when you guys got together after school and stuff you guys wouldn't talk about you know, I'm sure there were a couple of your friends who dated, right? Because I remember yeah. there was a couple of your best friends who Yeah, who dating. had like boyfriends and stuff. Mm-hmm. But again, like we don't really, I mean, I remember one instance where a close friend of mine, um, you know, had her first, got her first boyfriend. And then um, the next day she like told me about how he, they started kind of, you know, canoodling or like kind of about to have sex but they didn't but she was also very embarrassed in sharing that story and it was very kind of in done in a very hush hush kind of way and she didn't want to elaborate I think actually she didn't even tell me what she did was she actually like set, showed me a text that she had sent our other friend mm. and I just read it and then you know and that's how she told you about what happened? Yeah, exactly. So it kind of, it's like when someone tells you about anything like that, it kind of kills the conversation because it's clearly something that they don't want to utter again. Right. So it's like, here's a written text. I've already texted somebody yeah. to read what I said and you'll be up to date. Yeah. 
Oh, that's so interesting. Because in my group of friends, I feel like we were always talking about sex. Like me and my best friend, um, we were always talking about, you know, the weird things about periods. And we were quite open with one another Mm -hmm. in that sense. And she had gotten a boyfriend. um, When was that? Grade seven or grade eight. And so, you know, we would talk about all this stuff. And then in high school, all my friends were quite open with talking about, oh, my God, you know, I hooked up with so and so. We did this, this, this. And we'd always talk Mm -hmm. about it. And it was kind of, I don't know, it was like fun to talk about all these things. And the latest gossip about who we think is going to hook up with who next at the next party. Um, But obviously, in hindsight, our discussion it was it was good that we all had somebody to be open with in mm-hmm. talking about, you know, um, our sexual experiences. But at the same time, in hindsight, there were a lot of nasty comments that went around because, oh, I bet. you know, house parties, hooking up and stuff like that. It also breeds this culture of rumors. Yeah, it's high school. I, I think girls are super mean in yeah, high school. Yeah, catty and mean and it's just Yeah, and so are boys actually. Yeah, the boys sure. are even worse yeah. cuz they, you know, the girls are talking badly about the other girls, but the boys are spreading, you know, rumors like, "Oh, yeah, she's so easy, man." Like, "No, no, no. This is what she did on the weekend." You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. I don't think it was that healthy healthy in that sense where um the boys got to flaunt their sexual ventures where the girl gets a bit shamed and um, other girls kind of leer at her because, mm-hmm. oh, we heard you did this. And it it was always a cycle. You know, some other girl the next weekend would have done something else worse and last weekend's stories would have been forgotten. Mm-hmm. But... um yeah, rumors were incredibly rampant, and uh, I think that's unfortunate that the boys were taking part in these sexual acts where the heroes and they were all high-fiving each other for another notch on their belt. That's actually, I remember one of my guy friends in high school describing to me like all his notches and also he asked me at some point if I wanted to be another notch on his belt I said no thank you all right so what what was it like for you so what was it like for you and your first time well let me tell you about my first time time is a story not just about the sex itself but um, it's also really intertwined with my early perceptions of love you know I've always been a romantic at heart I loved reading poetry I loved Shakespeare and I was really really fond of true love stories from the middle ages especially Tristan and Isolde where, you know, true love happens once in your life and it's so intense, the characters usually die in the end. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes, great, I know. You know, the great love (laughs) tragedies, like Romeo and Juliet was much like that too. But these fantastic stories built my understanding of love and gave me this intense desire 
to find a love just as passionate as those I found within the books I read. You know, I guess you can say my imagination was quite active and I began dreaming of meeting my soulmate pretty early on. So while I was becoming sexually aware and, you know, masturbated quite early on, I also started fantasizing about doing it with a real man, a real lover that was going to be my soulmate. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, as I said, I became aware of sexual desires and started masturbating at a young age. And I distinctly remember watching a movie when I was six or seven years old and seeing this scene charged with sexual energy unfold and feeling things in my body and realizing yeah, I'm turned on by this. <laughs> and as we talked about, sex was pretty taboo in our um, in our country, Indonesia, and it was taboo in the household. And we never had the sex talk with our parents. And when I got older, I didn't have any real expectations of what sex would be like because you can imagine I was always reading and I even started reading, you know, those romance novels that are like, like quite sexual from like the, the harlequin novels yeah, the, from Harle- like the supermarket or something yeah, yeah yeah except i would rent them from the public library mm. and so i started reading those and i was like in grade three or four. Oh wow okay yeah i accidentally came across one didn't know what it was and then i just like stumbled across the whole section and i remember every summer there was that competition at the public library to yeah you know, you'd get a medal for the summer reading list for the most books read right and me being super competitive I like would check out you know stacks and stacks of books so I could get that medal mm-hmm. and I read a lot in those summers and I ran out of young adult stuff I accidentally stumbled on the romance novels I didn't know what they were but I liked them <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, all those sources gave me this idea that sex was somehow life-changing and um, one good sexual experience can somehow change you as a person. Mm -hmm. And because our parents never talked about sex and their, you know, everyday experiences, the novels and all of these outside sources was all I had. And um, it gave me this idea like, man, I can't wait to be deflowered by somebody I love, truly. And um, yeah, though we were raised Christians, I knew I wasn't going to save it for marriage. Like I knew deep down that I was just way too horny to wait that long. I was like, you know, preteens and I was already like, I want to have sex with somebody and I couldn't imagine having to wait until you're 25 or whatever to get married and then have sex with someone I knew that was just not realistic but at the very least in my mind I was like okay I can't save it for marriage but at least I'll try to save it for someone I loved Mm -hmm. you know some not just a random boy at a house party but a boy I like cared about. So sometime in grade eight, I met a really cute boy. Let's call him Johnny. (laughs) I still remember the first time I spotted him. It was a Sunday and it was the first time our parents had taken 
um, us to this new church they found. We arrived midway through the praise and worship bit. This is where the church band performs and the congregation sings along. Johnny was part of the band. He was playing drums on stage and I swear to God, the spotlight was on him. And to me, he was glowing and he was so handsome in his white dress shirt, perfectly unbuttoned, you know. (laughs) Um, I was shy, but I was somehow introduced to him at the end of the service when everyone was eating and drinking coffee. You know, this is usually that post-service social moment. And I was 13 then and I fell in love with Johnny, who was three years older. I obsessed over him for days and spent all my time thinking of ways I could strike up a conversation with him and to spend more time with him. Uh, Luckily, the youth section of this church, they were very active in organizing group outings and they also made you join a youth group. Um, And since I lived near him, I was put into his youth group. We met once a week, and I think it was Friday night for a couple of hours. You know, you it was essentially like a a group therapy. Yeah, if you think about it, it was like you get together with all your church friends and you talk about your week and what was hard, and you each give um, the person that you know. Everyone got a few minutes to talk about their problems, what they were going through and what they needed support with. And we would pray for this person and we would then hang out and have food. And that was really nice and comfortable. And I loved spending this time with him, though it was never just us. It was with others. But I loved this aspect of getting to know him without it being so private, like one-on-one. You know, I... These groups were very private because we shared a lot of our deep thoughts, but it wasn't like I was the one asking him the questions because we were in the youth group. He had to open up and I had to open up. And in a way, you know, we got to know each other. Um, you know, it was never just us, but eventually we also started chatting on MSN Messenger. <laughs> yes, these were the days. When we still had MSN Messenger. I don't know. Did you ever? F- yeah, of course. Yeah, you I did, had, right? Yeah, you yeah. still had it. I still had it. Okay. Anyways. So one day, the young kids organized an outing to a mini golf park a couple hours outside the city. And uh, there was the outdoor golf park and the indoor underground one, which was glow in the dark. And um, our group chose the glow in the dark indoor one and I remember my entire body was tingly that day because I had picked it as the day I would kiss Johnny (laughs) I mean I wasn't dating him yet but I was just gonna make my move and make it known to him that I was interested (laughs) and you know we had been chatting and flirting lots on MSN and every real life chance but I really just wanted to kiss him and so that day I set out quite determined to find us alone in a dark corner so that I could kiss him. And kiss him I did. I was so (laughs) proud of myself for making the first move and that I finally had my first kiss. He, Yes, Johnny was my first kiss. And um, anyways, fast forward some months, he started to distance himself from me. 
So remember, Johnny was three years older and I was still in middle school in grade eight. And um, all his 11th grader friends made fun of him for liking an LG, the term those days for a little girl. I guess he just couldn't bear it. And he totally ghosted me. You know, we were still in youth group together. So that became really awkward and very noticeable. You know, when someone stops talking to you on MSN and in those private moments, but we were still obligated to see one another at the um, church social settings. It was a bit awkward. And I was really heartbroken because I was in love with Johnny already then. But summer was coming to an end soon and I was going to enter high school and I was going to be in the high school he attended. And I felt somehow all would be solved by me entering high school. So a few months into grade nine, Johnny finally did ask me to be his girlfriend. And that was really nice. You know, it took a while. There were some things I had to plot I was a plotter you know I plotted (laughs) like I would mm, try to kiss his not his friends but like people in his kind of outside circle like I remember at one Halloween dance I made out with this guy who was uh yeah three years older so he was in grade 12 same grade as Johnny and um (laughs) and you know that got it like I made him jealous and he realized like okay she's not an LG yeah yeah actually like hearing your story it's very interesting because it all sounds very planned planned (laughs) and very like mature in some ways and that like you know you were 13 when you um started kind of planning this like I'm gonna kiss him and this is you know having a very sort of informed um informed way of thinking about this guy and what you wanted from him and I think that's really Mm -hmm. interesting I know I I was like a little grown-up you know I hung out with these kids most of them were older than I was but yeah when I look back at that I was like damn girl you wanted it and you got it you know like I set out to kiss him and I did and it was kind of all me Mm -hmm. like he didn't have to I don't know. Like, like, you know, like initiate, like coax yeah, you exactly. or anything. It was yeah, the opposite. It was you, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, so Johnny had his license. He could drive and he, he even had his own car. So we would get to do lots of things together. And whenever he dropped me off at home, we'd park kind of far away or uh, on the sidewalk, like where there were these bushes so we were hidden. And, um, you know, we'd say goodbye and we just like spend an hour or two making out in the car and listening to songs and stuff. And um, after months of doing that, you know, you kind of build up that sexual tension. And finally, I was just like, we've got to do it soon. (laughs) (laughs) And I felt ready. I was, you know, I was like, I'm in love with him. I had already said I love you, I think, at that point. And I was just ready to lose it. And um, in hindsight, like what you said, that I was thinking about this in a well-informed way and very adult of me. But at the same time, in hindsight, I don't actually think I talked to him about whether he was ready. Right. 
I just, in my mind, thought everybody wanted sex. Right. Everybody wanted to lose it. Yeah. And he, being, you know, three years older, of course he wanted to do it with me, you know? Yeah, you kind of assumed in some ways. Definitely. Yeah. And um, I think my physical desire was so strong. Just wanted to do it. And I was so in love with him. I thought it would be perfect. You know, this was, this was the guy I'm in love with. I'm going to do it with him. But the problem was, you know, we never could hang out privately at our house. You know, mom and dad were always around. There was our little brother. And I think our grandma was still maybe living yeah, with us then. Yeah, she was. Yeah, so someone was always so there. Was, there. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and at his house, it was the same thing. His mom was a stay-at-home mom. And he, you know, there was just always people. So it was sort of decided that it would have to happen in his car. But he had a small car. It would be uncomfortable. So we arranged it so that one night he would borrow his mom's SUV. (laughs) And I remember, you know, he picked me up. We actually went swimming at the local swimming pool first. And it was winter and um and after so it got dark quite quickly and um we drove to an empty mall underground parking lot henderson mall actually and um we parked in a very empty section and folded all the seats down and then got busy it was you know all these years i had imagined this moment all the romance novels i read of how sex was going to be I thought this deflowering was going to be magical and a moment of absolute ecstasy between two people who are really in love but actually I was quite tense in pain and it was really awkward to do it in an SUV Mm. not only you know you don't have very much space but you're also looking around the whole time because there was a security guard patrolling the parking lot and potential customers who were just getting back into their car. Though we picked like the furthest spot, you couldn't help but, you know, keep a lookout because these parking lots are very, very well lit. And uh, people could see in through the front windows, obviously. So all in all, it was in no way magical or pleasurable and to be honest I was quite disappointed and when he drove me home you know I was just kind of like well what all this time had been thinking about this moment and dreaming about the lover that I would be doing it with and all of this and this is it that was that was lame that was nothing it was painful and now my vagina sort of hurts and feels funny. You know, we were safe. We had condoms and everything, but I was just really tense and I did bleed a little bit. But again, I think like in our last episode, we mentioned, you know, there was a lack of lubrication and I'm sure right. my vaginal walls teared a little bit. Um, And yeah, so I was 14 then and Johnny was 17 at the time. And unlike what I had imagined, I wasn't transformed into a grown woman. It wasn't a moment of initiation where suddenly I would be 
um, given the secrets of all pleasure or something like that. But I really thought that was yeah. going to be that, that 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 was what was going to happen. But I was still me and I still love Johnny, but losing it to him didn't make me love him any more than I already did. It didn't cement our love any more than I, you know, it was just an act. And that was a really hard reality for me to face. I was very depressed for... Yeah, I was going to ask you, I mean, like, you know, it seems like you sort of built up this um, great fantasy in your mind informed by romance novels and these, you know, great love stories of um, eternal sort of yeah, enduring it. love and... Um, and you sort of saw sex as something that would maybe cement that love or was part of that kind of love. Exactly. And you said, like, you would only have sex with the person that you truly love, your soulmate, essentially. And, and you know, how did that make... I mean, you, you just said briefly that you, you suddenly, you know, you, after that experience, you were depressed. Um, did it sort of also shift the way you saw sex or did you sort of then kind of brush it off and thought well the next sexual experience will be better or yeah how did that change for you yeah everything changed in the way that I had not expected it to you know here I was planning and plotting for the first time to be a magical moment where I'd be transformed into a sexual goddess and my um, lover then would be cemented as my soulmate that was my understanding of it all you know that like you said the true love eternal love would have been sealed like he, he and I belong together and yeah. sex just kind of like sealed the deal yeah but obviously it wasn't. And it was a really difficult reality for me to face after that because no one told me that instead of absolute bliss, there was just nothing. You didn't change. And the sex, you know, wasn't amazing. I didn't orgasm, for example. And it was just awkward. It was us two kids trying to figure out sex. And I was really sad and depressed for a long time because I was disappointed that the reality was not what I had in mind. Right. And it definitely did shift my understanding of sex because as we continued dating and we continued having sex, I realized, you know, this is fun. We are exploring together. And I'm glad that it was with Johnny because neither of us really knew anything, but mm -hmm. we were both curious beings. And as I shifted my you know, slowly I sort of came to be okay with that. Okay, so sex isn't magical. It's It can be good. I know it'll get better. But, you know, that also shifted my understanding of love too, that mm. you can have sex with a person you love, but it doesn't change anything. And I think then I also used sex as kind of a, a commodity that if I were angry at Johnny or whatever, I would withhold sex or I would right, use sex, right? You know, in the relationship yeah. to get what I wanted, yeah, kind of like a manipulation, exactly. Tactic. 
but you know slowly I realized that wasn't making me happy either so sex was just sex you know it was a physical thing and I was young didn't know how to have better sex and um yeah yeah so after that like you know you said you were young you didn't know how to have better sex what do you think I'm hopefully um you know, as you get, you got older, you learned a little bit more. Was there sort of a moment in your life from, you know, from then, from dating Johnny till now that sort of shifted you or shifted your sexual experience and in that you're having good sex or that you're, you're no longer using, hopefully, sex as a manipulative mm-hmm. manipulation um, tactic? what sort of shifted there I mean I don't know if I can pinpoint it to any particular moment I feel like even with my last relationship one that I had from 18 till 23 sex was definitely again being used in this manipulative tool Mm -hmm. you know if I wanted something I'd use it if I was angry I'd withhold it and vice versa. And um, there was no healthy communication about sex in that relationship either. And um, I guess if I had to say it wasn't a specific moment, but over time, gradually, when I had moved to Paris and I became single, I started, you know, just meeting men and dating them casually or sometimes just having one night stands and those men that I met and had the encounters with I slowly in those encounters I slowly came to realize that sex wasn't yeah like sex shouldn't be used in this tool that I did meet one guy in particular and um, I really liked him. It was a one night stand and that was kind of all it was. But we had really good sex. But it was just because he was the first person I remember that was very open and told me like what he liked. You know, we were strangers, but he told me what he liked. Mm -hmm. And he he walked me through kind of all this stuff. And it was very fun and open. And I'd never had that before. Right. You know, and that I guess maybe you could say that was the moment it sort of shifted in my mind that sex could be something different that, you know, you don't have to have sex just with your soulmate and lover and shouldn't be used as this tool either because sex can be great and sex can be fun. You just have to be open about it. Yeah, for sure. But um. I just wanted to go back to something, you know, I mentioned I was 14 when I lost it to Johnny and um, you mentioned that I was sort of this young woman, you know, very dead set and knew what I was doing and what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that's true. I agree with that 100% because when I was preparing to lose my virginity and stuff, I'd already been doing the research about... um, you know, different forms of birth control, where I'd go to get birth control and the condoms that I was going to get and use, all this kind of stuff I'd already prepared. 
And I knew that I was going, that I wanted at 14 to be put on birth control because I was going to be having sex quite regularly from now on with my then boyfriend. Mm -hmm. So I went to our family doctor and um, I asked him, you know, I wanted a prescription for birth control pills. And this was the brand I wanted because it was low hormones and low estrogen. And uh, I thought I was going to, you know, I, I was well informed, well researched and I came prepared. But it turned out to be one of the worst visits with a health professional I had ever, ever had. And to this day, like that visit scars me. Essentially, during that appointment, when I asked our family doctor to prescribe a suitable birth control pill for me, he flat out said no. Mm. Yeah, so he instead chose to lecture me about how I was too young to be having sex. And then he asked me, you know, who's your boyfriend? How old is he? And I told him, you know, it's Johnny. He's a good guy. I met him at church. He's 17. So yeah, he's three years older than I am. But my doctor said, no, no, no. You're way too young. Your older boyfriend is using you for sex. And he's probably going to dump you very shortly after oh, wow. having had sex with you. And I just sat there in the doctor's chair like I knew already that that was wrong for him to say all of that to me you know he was not my parent how dare he you know listening to your story really reminds me of um this time where i think after watching the movie crossroads um, starring Britney Spears. I think it was like one of her first yeah. and only movies. Okay, maybe not only, but one of her first movie exper- uh, appearances. And there's a scene, you know, I think she, her character years in high school or something, graduating high school, you know, prom was fast approaching. I'm not really sure if I remember this story correctly, but um, there's a scene where uh, she's in a hotel room with some guy and she's in the bathroom and he's sitting on the bed there yeah and you know she sees his dress shirt she puts it on and does this little like number to seduce him or something and yeah it sort of remind yeah and then after watching that movie you know that wasn't the end of the movie it went on a little further but then i remember after the movie ended you turned to me and asked me how do you want your first time to be? And I was two years younger than you. Obviously, I still am two years younger than you. But um, I don't remember how old you were. I don't remember how old I was, but I must have been eight. So you must have been around 10. Oh, my God. I asked you that when I was 10. But I'm not surprised. But, yeah. And, um, you know, I think that Britney movie came out ages ago. Like it was her I'm a slave for you. Um, yeah. So that CD must have been days. like yeah. when you were 10. Yeah. ish or something yeah i was like still in her fan club then so yeah probably yeah. When I was 10. <laughs> yeah and i was you know you were 10 i was eight and i think like you know without both of us knowing this we were already starting to feel a lot of sexual urges mm-hmm. you had mass you've been masturbating i had also started masturbating at this point we just didn't know we didn't it. know yeah. and so when you asked me that question i was really shocked but you know hearing you talk about your first time really reminded me of this and sort of 
connect to those experiences with for you? Because yeah, clearly I had been planning it for years and years and years. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And you actually had a very detailed sort of, I, okay, maybe not detailed, but you had a very sort of um, well-formed idea of how you would lose your virginity. And I, I remember that very distinctively, actually. And even when we were kids in Indonesia, I remember you would ask me questions like, um about my soulmate or something really yeah and you know when i was in indonesia i was like five or six or even younger (laughs) and i was like not even worried about my soulmate i just like was wearing diapers and still pooping in them and stuff okay maybe not at six but like and you're already asking me about my soulmate and you know and again you would have been eight at least the oldest you could have been was eight and you know you were very mature in this sort of idea in a way mature about your ideas of love and sex and romance and you were already thinking about it very very early on what do you think you know you 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 did talk about you know reading novels but that was after moving to Canada what do you think really you know at eight years old a lot of girls do fantasize about having boyfriends and you know little puppy love things but I don't think they ever really the concept of a soulmate and, you know, being very sort of um, informed about how they want to lose their virginity. It's not something that an eight-year-old, nine, ten-year-old really thinks about, I think, at least in our day. Um, (laughs) At least not for you, I guess. At least not for me. But, you know, so what do you think really influenced you or what made you... I mean, be aware of to those be things. frank, like, I was not aware I was asking you questions like that when I was six or seven mm-hmm. about the soulmate. And, and um, But if I, you know, place myself back in Indonesia at that age, I would say all those Disney princesses. You know, we watched a lot of Disney movies, like Snow White was my favorite and, you know, then there was Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella. You know, they don't ever mention the idea of a soulmate, but you kind of infer that that's who these prince charming characters are meant to be because mm-hmm. they come out of nowhere and they rescue the princess by like a kiss, you know, with Snow White. He rescues her from her everlasting sleep. Well, she was dead, you know, like lying on the grave or whatever. Like, yeah, she was. Uh, I'm like, wait, is that sleep? Because Sleeping Beauty, I mean, the story is essentially kind of the same yeah. thing. But um, yeah, like I think definitely those Disney movies, as I said, like I've always been very influenced by stories. Mm-hmm. You know, these are fairy tales. Then when I got older, I, you know, read a lot of books and novels. And then I studied medieval history. And it's even that when I was in university, those um literary texts these stories of tragic love really really spoke to me Mm -hmm. and for a long time I still remember even this saying to you know my best friend the one I had I I was always best friends with her from like middle school onwards Tash she had a boyfriend um she was the first of all of us to get a real kind of boyfriend and that was in grade seven and I guess when I got older that kind of having a friend around 
that was already in a relationship spurred things on for me mm -hmm. even more. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't that I was in a competition with her that I wanted to be in a relationship too because she was in one. It was like she, you know, she was in grade seven and she was in a, at that time, long-term relationship. They, they dated until like grade nine or something, you know, and that was long for middle school relationships. Oh yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, so for me, I think having that kind of the confidant to be open with talking about sex and love and stuff, that definitely influenced me as well when I got older. But yeah, all in all, like from when I was a young age, it's those stories, the fairy tales that you sort of infer, okay, that male figure is a soulmate of some sort. Because you never, you know, you have the happily ever after, but you never find out what happens to them. Oh, yeah, for sure. So it was just, just kind of you like... You know, they live happily ever yeah. after. They meet, that's what I always had in mind. You meet your lover, your soulmate. And if it's really your soulmate, you will live happily ever after. Right. Yeah, you know? they don't ever really talk about like... The day-to-day -day yeah, work that goes into yeah, a relationship. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then, you know hearing your story also it's also very different you know from mine mm -hmm. um where I was sort of riddled with a lot of religious conflicts I think and a lot of body shame you really seemingly maybe you did so this is where my next question comes to um it seems like your sexual self was not really um hindered by this religious aspect like I was um or was it you know, I think about that all the time because looking back, like I was, you know, after joining that church and meeting Johnny, I became part of the church band and then I became like one of the lead singers. And outwardly, I was very spiritual and I was dating Johnny, who was, you know, also very devout. But I think at that point, I was... I was very comfortable with my sexual desire and I just knew that I needed to have sex. And I think in my mind, I actually thought that every Christian I met was just hiding it, that they were all having sex. All these couples that, you know, around our age and at that point, maybe mm. you know, university students in our youth groups. Um, that they were all in relationships and I just no one talked about it so I just assumed that there's no way that all these people are still virgins and so in my mind I was like they're all having sex for sure so everybody's just lying about it and apparently it's okay mm. and I guess to me that sort of um, helped me but I also never had the same bodily shame and um guilt that you you had you know i mm, feel like you yeah. had a lot more guilt and mm. you were like riddled with it mm. whereas i wasn't i never had the body shaming from our mom or you know dad or anyone i mean they always just said to me like oh you're so skinny you look like an electric pole or whatever because <laughs> i was very tall and skinny and i was quite you know i was flat like i didn't have boobs and i didn't have um a big butt or anything like that and I was not curvy so for me I didn't see myself as a sexual like vessel right and um yeah and I think also 
in my mind, it was the soulmate thing. You know, I said I was going to lose it to somebody whom I loved. And um, Johnny was the person I loved. And I really thought at that age I was going to marry him. So in a sense, I think I made it all okay in my mind by saying that, okay, you didn't wait till your marriage to have sex but you're probably gonna marry this guy anyways because he's your soulmate Mm, okay and so it'll be okay it's just like you're already married you know in your hearts your your intentions are good i rationalized it so much okay that's what you have to know yeah yeah (laughs) yeah but it's interesting because i mean you were 13 when you met him so 14 when you got together with johnny Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and you were already thinking this is guy this is the guy i'm gonna marry you're 14 i mean yeah that's like you legally speaking i don't think you can get married until what you're 18 yeah until you're an adult yeah until you're officially an adult and then even then like many people don't get married until they're mid-20s but you know You were 14 and you were already like, I'm going to marry this guy. So you were quite young when you were, you know, thinking about all of these and you were having quite, you know, adult thoughts, very sort of Mm -hmm. future oriented thoughts (laughs) that most adults would start having maybe when they were 20 or mid 20s. But you were having them at 13, 14. How did, you know, I'm assuming you talked to your friends about this, your peers and perhaps some adults in your life. Like, how did these people react? Did you ever think, oh, maybe I am too young to be thinking like this? Hmm. I, I always felt that I was quite mature for my age. And that actually made me very confident in myself Mm -hmm. I um, never was really interested in boys my own age like I had crushes on them but I never pursued them and then when I hung out you know with the young kids at this church the young I was actually the youngest everybody else was 16 to 25 so it just became normal. And because I looked like an adult, I carried myself like an adult. People kept forgetting I was 14, 15. Right. And being around these kinds of people, you know, these are, you have to remember, uh, they were Indonesian um, university students. But so they had the mentality of like, you go to university, you find a future husband or wife then you get married and have kill like kids sorry not mm-hmm. you know you have children and so i was hanging around these kind of people all the time and because i felt like i was really mature i never i never felt out of place with my very adult ideas right you know like i was still 14 15 but because again i looked like an adult i was so mature everyone just took me for it like yeah of course she's gonna you know she met Johnny and like yeah maybe in a few years time when they're both old enough they'll get married and it was common in our church circle that there was always that couple who met when they were 16 and now they're 25 and you know they're still in university so they 
don't want to get married just yet, but eventually they will. So I just honestly thought that Johnny and I would be one of those couples. Mm -hmm. We would be one of those couples who had a very long relationship. We'd be high school sweethearts, like our parents, you know, they were kind of like high school sweethearts. And I just thought about that. But at the same time, there was this kind of dark side to it as well, where outside of the church community, it wasn't normal. Like I already, you know, spoke a bit about that doctor's visit where the doctor made me feel very badly about wanting birth control. And, um, you know, I became very sexually aware at a young age, but again, I wasn't active until I met Johnny. Yeah. So again, like, you know, you talked about your doctor's visit and how negatively he reacted. Um, Why do you think your age was such a big deal? And, you know, additionally, do you think there's an ideal age to lose your virginity? I mean, you know, I lost my virginity at 21. Mm Mm-hmm. And for many people, that's too late. You know, people are like, you're 21, you should have lost your virginity at 17, 18 or something. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and you lost yours at 14. You know, we were kind of two extremes, I suppose. Maybe I'm sure there are people who've perhaps lost it earlier or Or even even later. later. But between the two of us, you know, we're quite extreme. It's not like we lost our virginity around the same time or Mm -hmm. same age. You know, and we had very different experiences as well. Definitely. Um, But going back to my question, um, is there an ideal age? And why was your age, you think, why did it... Such a big deal for others? Yeah. Honestly, I think it was, yeah, that I was 14. And although I was asking the doctor in my well-informed manner for birth control, he couldn't get over my age also our family doctor is a very conservative mm-hmm. man he's um you know he's asian canadian and i think asians do tend to be more conservative mm-hmm. and i think it kind of shocked him he probably thought about me as his own daughter or something and just thought oh my god is my daughter at 14 having sex already? yeah and i mean i think he also knew us from a very young age like exactly. i remember going to him when i was like six yeah. You know, and I still yeah, go to him today. Yeah, he was a long-time family doctor, and yeah. he still is. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think there's not an ideal age, but when people look at you and they see you and they know you're 14, like 12, 13, 14, they right away feel kind of like, no, 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 that's too young. But, again, then they look at somebody like you and, like, well, maybe not health professionals, but uh, peers kind of say, oh, you're a little bit too old. Why haven't you lost your virginity yet? Mm-hmm. So at the beginning of this episode, we talked about the average age, and apparently it's 17, according to the American yeah. CDC. And um, I think, sadly, like to many people, that's kind of, oh, that's the right age, because you're just about mm-hmm. to graduate high school, and so you know you, you've just gotten your driver's license. Um, You're going to graduate very soon. So in the middle, of course, it makes sense. You should be losing your virginity because it's like a rite of passage and you're ticking off these things that you should be doing. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think 
I felt confident in myself and that I wasn't too young, but other people, other adults around me made me feel that I was too young. You know, I've, um, I've been working on some inner healing and while I was doing a deep meditation, thinking back about my middle school days, this was before I had met Johnny. I was in grade seven. I saw this episode in my life, which took place then. And um, so again, bringing up my middle school best friend, Tash, we had these journals that we would write in. And she always went away with her family to glamorous locations. Like she was always in Jamaica, Cuba, or, you know, traveling Europe um, for spring breaks, summer vacations, Christmas breaks. And our family, like, you and I, we never really went away like mm, we used to, no. but then there was a point we just stopped going anywhere. Yeah. Didn't have very much, like we didn't have a lot of money for it. So we just stayed at home. And so to compensate, I started this idea with Tash, like, okay, you keep a journal, I'll keep a journal and we'll both write every day or as often as we could and kind of tell each other, um, what's been happening like if you went snorkeling in Jamaica or whatever and what I was up to that's a really good idea yeah it was really sweet and we kept that up for you know quite a while and um anyways so at the end of every holiday we would trade these journals and read everything and like you know like oh feel up to date with Mm -hmm. one another Mm. one particular time it was probably I think it was spring break classes had resumed and I had just traded journals with Tash literally handed her the journal and she handed me hers and it was right at the end of recess or something so we were beginning a class and but you know the beginning of a class is always like that 10 minutes of dawdling around with the teachers getting ready and no one's really ready yeah. So she, Tash, took out the journal and started reading my journal. And um, the teacher got like very angry and like confiscated the journal. Mm-hmm. She got quite like impatient that Tash didn't put away the journal right that second. Like she finished a sentence, you know, and put it away. So my grade seven teacher confiscated this journal. And instead of locking it up in her desk drawer, when we were doing work in class, um, I saw her take it out and she read it cover to cover. Oh, my God. Yeah. And what I remember feeling violated because I knew all the contents I'd written in it. And I knew already that I was going to get in trouble. Um, I had written some, you know, quite sexual things in that journal mm-hmm. um, things I had read about in Cosmopolitan. And also, you remember, like... Tash was going away to exotic locales. I was staying home in Coquitlam doing nothing. So I kind of felt the need to have entertaining entries. Yeah. So I would talk about my crush and um, I would say things like, oh, I want to have hot, sweaty sex with so-and-so. But literally copied out word for word from a cosmopolitan article you know Mm -hmm. that's how I felt 
but I didn't really understand what hot sweaty sex was or even if I liked it I was still a virgin then yeah. I hadn't even had my first kiss yeah. but um you know my imagination was active and I was desiring things but anyways based on this teacher's reading of the journal she thought I was giving boys blowjobs and hand jobs left and right and doing it with everyone so she put me in counseling right away and they both like the school counselor and this teacher thought that I was just this troubled kid who was expressing herself by um, sexually doing things and that I probably shouldn't have been doing. But because maybe I was troubled at home, I was just like acting out. Right. Which wasn't true. Like I, yeah, we had stuff going on at home, but I was a virgin. I was not like I've ne- I'd never seen a penis at that point in real life, you know? Um, I was already, I was like just putting down on paper what other girls my age, at least my friends were already talking about, like we joked about this stuff. We would often read Cosmo articles mm-hmm. together and talk about like, oh my gosh, guys, read this tip for the best blowjob ever you know right as like a joke yeah like at slumber parties and stuff yeah Yeah. and these were things that we had already you know spoken about but no one wrote it down and I just had the bad luck of being caught with this journal that I had named you know like this is Regina's uh, journal during spring break for Tash like like my name and everything was all over it and so I was shamed for thinking these things and made to feel that my desire was somehow wrong and I was too young Mm -hmm. to feel these things right so it was like my feelings were inappropriate and likely stemmed from a perverted and unnatural place because I was too young right so this whole experience with the school made me feel like, yeah, that was I was there was something wrong with me and dirty. Yeah. And um how dare I be explicit about these desires. Right. And like, you know, going back to my question, um so is there really an ideal age to lose your virginity or even to start thinking about sex because clearly you know, these teachers thought there was Mm-hmm. And my friends and peers that, you know, I talked to thought there was as well. But, you know, when we really get down and you know, when we get down to it and sit down together and talk about this. There clearly isn't yeah. one. There clearly isn't an ideal so, age. So why do you think, you know, your teachers reacted so negatively, put you in counseling? And why do you think? And then additionally, you know, my friends react very negatively as well mm-hmm. when I tell them I lost my virginity at 21. Right. Like what's happening there? I mean, when I look back at this episode in my life, the, you know, the episode with the journal and the teachers at school, and then the episode where I was like an adult and 14 year old adult asking for birth control from the doctor and being rejected. What I see is that these health professionals and educators in schools were obviously not given the tools Mm -hmm. to deal with all the different kinds of students and their different kinds of sexuality. Mm -hmm. I mean, so there isn't an ideal age to lose your virginity, but I think there's this idea that when you're older, when you're older, when you're in high school and you've gone through all the levels of sex ed, Mm -hmm. that's when you can 
when you should be losing your virginity right, like you get a certificate and, and now yeah, you can exactly yeah. and or like when you yeah when you've like hit puberty properly and you've grown into your body that's when desire should can be like um manifest and like otherwise there's something wrong with you like have you been abused you know it's right. not that it's uh, just okay we become aware much earlier some kids and people much later there's no one mold that fits all um, you know, I matured quite early and I felt like I needed to lose it quite early while you couldn't think about those things mm-hmm. and you didn't lose it until much later. And I think professionals and educators, so health professionals and educators who are working alongside teenagers and students like this should be given the tools to discuss and walk through sexual experiences with kids no matter their age Mm -hmm. without making them feel bad for being early or late to the game like they should just give these kids the best information and trust that with the information they've been given they'll act accordingly and responsibly yeah for sure there isn't really a right way right to or right age to experience our sexuality and i think it's such a shame that you know um, our family doctor and also your teachers reacted so negatively to your sexual expression. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to keep in mind that people are different and we all start feeling things at different times. We go through things at different times and, yeah, exactly. you know, nothing is, there's nothing wrong with that. Again, as, as we talked about, you, you started, you know, sort of having the desire to have sex at, 13 14 and and seeing yourself having sex with another person Mm -hmm. whereas for me that was much later on even though you know we both started masturbating probably around the same time i just couldn't think about engaging in sex with Mm -hmm. someone else Mm -hmm. um yeah and exactly what you said it's too super important to give young people the space to freely talk about these things without judgment or recourse because that only leads to suppression of feelings and feelings of shame and guilt really um what's it's important to you know keep in mind and to really emphasize that sexuality is a natural part of life and development it shouldn't be belittled or shamed it should be spoken about seriously and with compassion yeah exactly and you know talking about all this you know you had the guilt from our parents and others making your body very sexual mm-hmm. like we're having breasts at a very young age mm-hmm. um for me like i didn't have that experience but the shame of my sexuality i guess that seed was planted when this teacher shamed me for it yeah for a long time i think that was my basis that i was so ashamed of this one time when this teacher read my private thoughts and read that I wanted to have hot sweaty sex with this boy but you know these are natural desires yeah for sure and there's this line of thinking that some people are too young to have sex or to have an orgasm or to even start talking about sex but of course if we keep thinking about it this way then sex will remain a taboo topic that's shameful to talk about and what we need to equip people with the knowledge to not only have safe sex, you know, um, with condoms and birth control and all that kind of stuff, but also we need to give the educators and 
the students who are learning, we need to give them the tools to talk about their feelings openly and without mm-hmm. shame, you know, to ask questions pertaining to things they're curious about, to ask how to receive and to give pleasure and to an extent also how to ask their partners to stop if they're uncomfortable. You know, these are all important elements of practicing safe sex at the end of the day. Yeah, these are all very important things to address in the current way we teach, talk and think about sex. And we definitely need to start incorporating some of these things into current sex ed curricula, which leads me to our next episode of Body Found. In our first, fourth and final episode of the Virginity series, we will be asking the question, what kind of sex ed works and how can we improve the current sexual education? So join us next time as we discuss some ways of answering these questions. Thanks for listening to Body Found. We are your hosts, Regina. And this is Josephine. See See you you next time. time.